He is the co-host of Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio. We now welcome Freddie Coleman onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Freddie? I'm good, Justin, my friend. Looking forward to hanging out with you. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for joining the show, and let's not waste any time. Um, this NBA season has been like unlike any other, and I think fans are just kind of expecting the season to, I mean, excuse me, the playoffs, um, which are coming up fairly quickly, to just be kind of matter of fact. I, I just think that with the Lakers in particularly wants Kobe, excuse me, I have Kobe on my mind, but wants LeBron and Anthony Davis um, get healthy and wants the Brooklyn Nets get back to full strength. It seems like it's like a foregone conclusion that the Brooklyn Nets will meet the Lakers in the NBA Finals. But I feel like there's a lot of unpredictability that's going to happen, you know, in the playoffs. I mean, we have the play-in tournament. We have the um, Phoenix Suns uh, unexpected story. What are, I guess, fans not seeing? And what have some unexpected surprises you think fans are in store for once the playoffs start? Keep an eye on the Milwaukee Bucks, Justin, because nobody's talking about that basketball team in the Eastern Conference. And you understand that the Brooklyn Nets are going to get the lion's share of attention because we have not seen them at full strength except for seven games with James Harden and Kevin Durant and, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving together. And, of course, Philadelphia, they're going to get a lot of attention with Joel Embiid and also Ben Simmons. But that Bucks team, as Lee Corso likes in college game, they just hanging in the weeds a little bit because, <laughs> remember, we have a two-time MVP when it comes to Giannis Antetokounmpo in the last couple of years. The Bucks have the best record in the NBA and definitely in the Eastern Conference. So that's one team that a lot of people are not talking about that could really – completely muck up everything when it comes to having the Brooklyn Nets or the Philadelphia 76ers getting out of the Eastern Conference and getting to the NBA Finals. And I look at the team in the West. You mentioned the Phoenix Suns, but yeah, here the Utah Jazz, they have the best record in the NBA. And I know Spider Donovan Mitchell is not available because of an ankle injury, but that's another team that nobody's talking about that should be getting more love, and they have not gotten any love all year long, Justin. So keep an eye on both of those teams because in place that the NBA does not want to talk about, the last thing they want is a Utah-Milwaukee final. But right. both those teams could really make it a case of not having a Brooklyn Nets-Los Angeles Lakers final when it's all said and done. How much pressure is on Giannis in particularly? Um, even though the Brooklyn Nets are the odds-on favorite, I think, in the Eastern Conference, I think considering the Bucks' performance in the bubble, I have to say eyes are on him. And if they have a disappointing performance um, in the playoffs, um, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny placed upon them or should there be i mean considering you know how the 76ers and the nets are do you think Giannis might just get a passive the bucks underperform or do you think the pressure is on despite the favorites the pressure is still there but it's an interesting question justin because i think that's something a lot of people have not had a chance to think about and talk about because we're talking about other teams in the eastern conference whether it's the brooklyn nets over here the Philadelphia 76 is over there. What's wrong with the Boston Celtics? The resurgent New York Knicks. They've been able to take that spotlight and really that pressure and scrutiny away from Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks because you would think the last couple of years where we've seen or have not seen from this Bucks team that that pressure would be enormous on him. But because the other stories out there, other players out there that have created those storylines and taken that spotlight away, they've been able to just bubble underneath because coming into the night's action, the only two games out of the second place spot for the best record in Eastern Conference behind the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets are a game and a half ahead of Philadelphia and three and a half ahead of the Milwaukee Bucks. So I think by everybody else getting that kind of attention, Giannis has been able to really be a superstar and hide in plain sight because a lot of people don't believe that the Bucs could beat the 76ers or the Brooklyn Nets in a series. If anything, that's going to give him and that basketball team a lot of motivation to show people that they deserve to get the attention that they got the last couple of years, even though they were not able to get the NBA Finals, and that they're more than a competent team and more than a championship caliber team to get out of the East and get to the NBA Finals for the first time in a long time in Milwaukee. 
Um, you brought up the New York Knicks, and I, I saw some just chatter on Twitter that um, there's potential free agents potentially interested in joining the, the Knicks in, in future seasons. What do you make of their resurgence? Um, it kind of hurts my heart a little bit just because they have Derek Rose and Tosh Gibson, former Bulls, but I'm glad to see them doing well along with Thibodeau as well. Do you think this season is an anomaly, or do you think you know the Knicks are onto something with Julius Randle? Do you think it's kind of this is a little bit out of the ordinary, or do you think the Knicks are kind of here to stay? They're on to something, and the reason I say that is because I saw this before when they had Amari Stoudemire and all those snipers and Mike D'Antoni as the head coach, and then decided to mess things up and bring in a Carmelo Anthony. I'm hoping that the Knicks will learn from that lesson again, and that's no disrespect to Carmelo Anthony. He is a prime big-time scorer, but the ball does not move around, and the Knicks, I felt, had that perfect kind of team where you had an inside guy, you had a quality point guard at that time, Raymond Felton, was not Chunky Ray Felton. He was Raymond Felton <laughs> that was getting up and down the court. You had Steve Novak and those guys coming off the bench. They were great snipers around that inside game and penetration and pitch game that they were able to manifest and make that work. Even though it's a different kind of Knicks team, they have somebody like Julius Randle. They have a potential Batman, but they also have a potential Robin when it comes to R.J. Barrett. It's going to be very interesting, not so much the superstar that may want to join it with the Knicks in future years, Justin. But you have to worry about keeping a bullet because the way he's played, somebody's going to throw money at him. Derek Rose been terrific as a reclamation project. He's been an unbelievable guy for this team in the fourth quarter. You also have to worry about Obi Toppin. He's going to expand his game and learn from the tutelage of Tom Thibodeau. So for the first time in a long, long time, this Knicks team, they have options where if you think you can pair another superstar, Julius Randle, he's going to be on board with that because the way he plays now more than ever before, Justin, he can play inside, he can play outside, he can be a playmaker. He's not going to get in the way of somebody that needs the ball to make shots because he's shown the ability that he can defer to guys when they're making shots and not make it all about him. Um, I want to ask you about injuries in the league. Um, we had a, a, a injury expert, Jeff Stotts, recently. He tracks injuries, um, and he says that besides the month of April, injuries are kind of on basically on average compared to other seasons. But yeah, we've seen you know all star players be hurt. I mean, we'll be here all day just going right. over the, the the injuries to the, the stars in the league. Are, have you grown any concern just among like how many players have just suffered injuries this season? Um, and then do you think, considering the play tournaments here to stay, is this something that might be a concern for future seasons? Or do you think this is a, this season's an anomaly just considering the pandemic and everything going on? This kind of, it's got a great our teeth to skip through it. Here's the deal with injuries, Justin. I always wondered about this. I think we're starting to see more injuries because guys are getting too much rest. And I, I honestly believe that. I don't think they're allowing their bodies to get used to the rigors of the NBA game. But when you have all those superstars making that kind of money more than ever before, you believe that rest is the way. It's really hard to rest and be a quality basketball team and be the kind of basketball team you need to be to endure a great playoff run if you're able to be a part of that. I look at the National Football League, for example. You can't teach football if you're not working on football, if you're not playing football. And we saw a lot of injuries happen in the NFL last year because guys did not have that training camp and also some of the offseason workouts to get their bodies ready. And rest and recovery is going to be big. But you have to go out there and you have to be a part of that team and be a part of basketball, understanding exactly what you can and can't do, what your teammates can and can't do. That chemistry is really, really 
vital more than ever before, especially in the Zoom paradise that we all live in when it comes to 21st century anything, whether it's sports or outside of sports. So I understand the injury concern. You want to make sure guys are fully rested. But I think a lot of it should be more of a mental standpoint thing that you want guys mentally ready to get ready for the playoffs. I think a physical standpoint, because guys are getting too much rest, their bodies are not ready. They also have to jack it back up to get ready in terms of the intensity that a playoff series or a playoff game or a playoff run is going to entail no matter who you are, whether you're a superstar or a key guy off the bench. So are you in favor of what the NBA introduced this season with the back-to-backs um, in the same city? Um, it was with, Is that play into what you're talking about, um, just having yeah. that consistency? Um, do you think that's something that should remain in future seasons, you think? I, I completely think that should remain because now you're not traipsing all over the place, and I don't mind that because they're doing it with just teams in the Western Conference and teams in the Eastern Conference. So you play a back-to-back in the same city. Sometimes you don't have to worry about getting on a plane and you have to worry about this, this, and this. You can just able to kind of have a comfort level. And a lot of times, because we've seen this in college basketball, where they had in mid-major conferences that they would play back-to-back games but stay in the same arena against teams, you're able to make different adjustments. You're able to have that comfort level of doing that, whether you won the game before you lost the game before. I think that and the playing games are going to stay. I don't mind the playing games at all. And I think it was a really good idea by the NBA to have back-to-backs in the same city this way it cuts down on travel but more than anything else justin it cuts down on trying to be having logistics really messing with guys when it comes to their body whether it comes to their mind whether it comes to the team chemistry as well i wanted to ask you once the playoff starts how fans are going to play into it because different states have different regulations in terms of capacity so do you how do you think that's going to play out because you know fans play a huge part in sports but do you think a team that might be an underdog that may have 75 to 100% capacity with fans, do you think that could be a factor in them maybe pulling off an upset over a more you know talented team that may not have any fans in their arena? How do you think that's going to play out um, if one team has a big advantage in terms of fans in the arena when playoffs it, come around? It may not play a big factor, but I think anybody that is somebody, Justin, is just glad that we're going to have fans back in the building. And I don't sure. care if it's 10% capacity or 50% capacity. They even talked about that when the Knicks played against Toronto last Saturday and fans stuck around to hear RJ Barrett being interviewed over the loudspeakers at Madison Square Garden. And he said just feeling that energy was something that they really, really missed that they had not had since last year before the pandemic happened and the NBA was shut down. So I, I don't know if home court advantage is really going to be as much of an advantage than ever before. I think players and coaches are going to be relieved that when they run onto the court, that there's going to be fans either yelling for them or booing them. That kind of ambiance more than ever before, and I keep telling people this, fans should realize the kind of power that they have, Justin, because every athlete, every owner, every coach, every GM has told you, you are necessary to what we do. If we don't have you, it's not the same game. And it plays a big, big factor, especially in an enclosed arena when it comes to the NBA or even in the Stanley Cup playoffs when it comes to the NHL. So I don't know if home court advantage is going to be that big more than more. I don't know if there's going to be that kind of big impact, but at the same time, having fans in the building, we all can rally around that, especially the NBA continues to do everything possible to make sure everybody's going to be safe, whether you're playing in the game or you're watching the game from the stands. Yeah, totally agreed. Um, I've gotten used to the can noise of, but I, I just think having actual real people there is just such a huge difference compared to yeah. hearing that the can noise and just the digital fans in the background. I mean, just having real people um, is a massive difference. Um, I want to get your opinion on the MVP race. Um, as we talked about earlier, it seems like injuries have just really affected who's the front runner. In your opinion, do you 
do you see any surprises when we get to who should be the MVP, or do you think it's kind of a lock right now in terms of, you know, who you have as, you know, winning it for the regular season? Well, to me, it comes down to two guys, and it's Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets and Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. And before James Harden got injured, he was yeah. definitely in that category. He may have been the front runner, depending on what the Las Vegas book you wanted to place a bet on sure. when it comes to the MVP. But uh, I, I made a point about a couple of weeks ago about Chris Paul should be getting more consideration for Agreed. what he's been able to do with the Suns. I'm starting to hear that a little bit more, especially the big moments we've seen him have, what happened Monday night where he took over that game in the fourth quarter against yeah. the New York Knicks. But here's another guy that won't get consideration but really should, and that guy's Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets. With injuries to Kevin Durant and James Harden, I know that Kyrie Irving can be very flaky. We all clearly understand that. But when they really needed him to be that guy on and off the basketball court for the Brooklyn Nets, he's been able to step up, and he has carried this organization. KD's out for a couple of games. Kyrie Irving was like, no problem. We got you six. James Harden has not been available to this basketball team for more than a minute. Kyrie Irving says, just get healthy. I'll hold it down. He won't get the kind of consideration for MVP that he should because Steph Curry's gotten that from Golden State for a point that Donovan Mitchell, the Utah Jazz, he was getting that. But Kyrie Irving has done as the kind of yeoman's work to really have Brooklyn not fall apart. And think about this team, the injuries that they've had. And here they are with the best record in the Eastern Conference. We got to give a lot of credit to Kyrie Irving, making sure that everybody was going to stay as sane as possible and everything's going to stay in a great kill. I don't think anybody just would have thought that we would have said that about the Brooklyn Nets in this way with Kyrie Irving being at the forefront of things, not just on the basketball court for that team. Do you think he is kind of the, I don't want to say secret weapon as disrespecting him, but certainly, you know, if you had to pick between Harden, Durant and Kyrie Irving, the person that you cannot have out on that team is Kyrie Irving. He's kind of that piece. If we get into the playoffs, there's a situation in which, you know, somebody might be hurt. Is it, are they going to be more most affected if Kyrie happens to go down with the injury or if he has to take some time off? Will that affect them the most compared to the other players I just mentioned? It's still Kevin Durant to me, Justin, because yeah. he's a cheat code. As much as I love <laughs> Kyrie Irving, we're talking about a dude that's over seven feet that can defend, that can handle. There's not a shot that he can't make inside and outside. He's that gifted of a scorer where he does not need 40 shots to get 40. This guy can score 40, 45 points and take no more than 20 to 25 shots. So as much as I love Kyrie Irving, I've always been a big believer that a good big man is better than a good little man any day. And I love Kyrie Irving to death as a basketball player. But that guy, Kevin Durant, when he gets going, he is a cheat code because he you can't guard him. You can't put a smaller player on him who just rides him and shoot over him. You really can't put a bigger player on him because then he just wears him out the dribble and gets to the front of the rim and creates his own shot. So as much as this Brooklyn Nets team can be that lethal offensively, you got James Harden orchestrating things, Kyrie Irving being that guy as well. But when Kevin Durant is on, the Brooklyn Nets can't be stopped. When he's not on, at least you have two fail saves when it comes to James Harden and Kyrie Irving. But we've seen Kevin Durant have that kind of injury. His first night back plays 19 minutes as a point a minute. Nobody can do that in the NBA to that efficient level, the way Kevin Durant is able to do that. So as much as Kyrie Irving has been able to carry this Brooklyn Nets team, if Kevin Durant's not right in the playoffs, it's going to be a lot harder of a road for the Brooklyn Nets to get out of the East or get through the East and get to the NBA Finals. What do you make of Kevin Durant's comeback? I think it's quite miraculous, and yet there's been little coverage on it. <laughs> I think coming back from that devastating of an injury is, is amazing. I mean, uh, Brianna Stewart did it. 
But I feel like she, you know, she got her flowers for that. But yeah, Kevin Durant has it. This is kind of like an assumption that he was going to come back 100%, where that sh- should not be the case. That's a horrible injury. So I, I guess because you, you take you know um, phone calls from just fans around the country, do you think he's getting that respect in terms of his comeback? Or do you think it's just a lot of assumptions that just because he's so great, he's expected just to you know come back to normal when that, sh- that should not be the case at all? Right. You're right about that, Justin. That a lot of people should give more credit to coming back from an injury like that. But you're right. We assumed that Kevin Durant was going to be that dude. And early on, I heard a lot of naysayers saying, well, he's not going to be the same player. And I said, be careful about putting that out there because modern technology and modern medicine is a lot different handling these kind of injuries, even with an athlete past the 30 year age mark that Kevin Durant is. So that assumption to me was on point because I guess we were so expecting that this was going to happen that we weren't surprised by what Kevin Durant was able to do. And when he came back, we all said, yeah, that's what he does. <laughs> we knew that this was going to happen. We had a belief that that was going to happen. But Justin, you're exactly right, because I don't think people realize the magnitude. We have a torn Achilles injury and the yeah. way that it happened, the way that it happened to him at Golden State, having that injury in the NBA finals, missing an entire season plus the next year. And then you come back and it was as if, as if you had never left with essentially a brand new basketball team when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, that should be celebrated more. But because he's so great, we automatically assume that when he comes back, he's going to be right. And there are any yeah. naysayers that were out there about that, many people said, you know what, just wait and see, watch and see. It's going to be the same thing with Klay Thompson. When he comes yeah. back from the torn ACL, no one's going to be surprised he's going to put a 23, 24 points a game because that's what we expect to happen when you have that kind of great ability and that kind of great know-how about the game that Kevin Durant has and Clay Thompson has. That assumption is going to be there because we expect them to be great and we know they're not going to let us down. Freddie, I wanted to ask you on a personal level, just covering sports since the pandemic started and just what you've gotten feedback from like taking calls from fans once the pandemic happened to, to now um, compared to pre-pandemic. What has it been for you just, you know, doing sports talk radio? Have you seen a difference in kind of the fan psyche? Sports fans are very passionate. They're very into what's going on, but we're, you know, the, the only thing that was going on was the last dance documentary that was happening right. for a certain amount of time. So can you just take us through the evolution of just the sports fan for you have talked to in terms of just kind of the psyche and now that, you know, fans are starting to return to arenas as you stated earlier. What's kind of their, their mind frame and also the mind frame for yourself as well during this pandemic covering this, you know, the sports world. The one thing I've noticed is that people listen closely more than ever before, Justin. And I've noticed that whether it's been phone calls and definitely on Twitter, that people, they're not just taking something and flying with it and not trying to get everything and all the facts. And I think because sports were taken away from us, and thank God for the last dance, because I can't even imagine what sports shows would have sounded like if that had not happened during the pandemic. It wasn't planned to happen that way. But when it did, that gave people for a lot of people, it was a new thing to them. And for me, it was reliving those great moments and finding out about things that I had not found out before. So that's the one thing that was about the last dance that was really cool that allowed people to lean in a little bit closer and listen more carefully and go find information and do their homework more than ever before. But something else really transpired, Justin, out of the pandemic was that those kind of stories that would have fallen off by the wayside had we had live sports, we're able to find those stories and not go away from them once live sports returned. If somebody was doing something really, really cool, it might not have gotten a lot of love before, but if we found out about it, we were able to go get that person, have them talk about it, and plenty of people been able to rally around that and say, man, it was really cool, you had so-and-so on. I did not know that they did something like that. So to me, as a Sports Talk radio host, 
that's been the benefit of, if you want to use that word when it comes to pandemic and sports talk radio and the art form that it is, is that you really had to go and find different kinds of stories when nothing was going on. And then when everything was coming back, no matter what sport it was, we were still able to not let those stories go by the wayside. If anything, it's made our show better. If anything, in my opinion, it's made our art form better, where it's not just people yelling and screaming all the time. More than ever before, people are going to say, if you got that kind of storyline and you make us aware of it, we're going to pay attention and give it its just due and its just respect. What story you you, you mentioned just uh, focusing on stories that don't get attention. What stories stand out to you um, over this kind of time span that um, has really just made a mark on you personally, you think? Kenny Lattimore, the singer where Michael Jordan played his warm-up music and, and a lot of people <laughs> – had a chance to find out about Kenny Lattimore. And he's been one of my favorite R&B singers for a long, long time. It was really cool having people getting a chance to find that out about him and listen to his music because his sales, his his streaming sales went through the roof. And then we had him on our show to talk about that. And what was that like where he's been known, but not known, known. And then having a chance where he got a chance to get his shine on. That was one story from The Last Dance that really stepped out to me. That was really, really cool to talk about that. Other stories that we had a chance to talk about, I mean, I'll never forget having Renee Montgomery on, talking about the WNBA and their role when it comes to social and, and everything else and making sure their voices were going to be heard. And the fact that she was able to walk away from that because she felt she had a bigger purpose says a lot about her character and a lot about the kind of person that she's always going to be and the kind of person she's going to continue to be. So having a chance to talk with her was pretty cool. Also, Ken Niamatololo, the Navy head coach, where they had those tough conversations in the locker room, not just with black players, but black and white players. And in that Navy locker room, he said he was so impressed by the young men who are going to be the future of this country, defending uh, part of the future of this country, having those hard conversations, what they knew and what they did not know. And just hearing him talk, and you could feel the tears welling in his eyes, talking about how impressed he was with players that he was coaching, that he is going to continue to coach. Those are the three stories that really jumped out to me that I said to myself, man, I'm really glad that we were a part of something like that and having people having a chance to tell their story from their vantage point and bring that to the table. Um, Freddie, last question, and I'll let you go. Um, once you know things get back to normal, do you think sports talk radio is kind of changed forever in terms of the topics you pick? So uh, obviously, you know, you're reacting in real time to breaking news stories, but you mentioned trying to go in depth. Is that something that's going to stick around permanently? Um, not only for your show, but other sports talk shows as well, where it might evolve from just going into hey, <laughs> angry Yankees fan, angry Mets fan, just going at it to you know diving into those kind of in depth stories. You see that evolving, or do do you think, you know, things were kind of, you know, go back to normal once, you know, the sports world, such a busy, you know, with social media, everything happens so quick. So um, do you think there'll be time for those in-depth stories, you know, once things, you know, go back to normal? I think it's going to be a combination of both. I think we've been able to yeah. see and hear that in our format, whether it's locally or nationally. And I think that's only going to be good, not just for the format that we're a, a fortunate to be a part of, but also anybody out there listening, because I've always been a big believer that if you provide compelling content, it doesn't matter who it is, or where it comes from. People are going to give it the right kind of opportunity to listen to it and digest it. And whatever they do with it is whatever is going to happen. So I firmly believe that any kind of successful show, you have to have both of those components. You can talk about the news of the day and being in the moment. There's no doubt about that. You can't go away from that. But then the other things are other people out there that may have been doing some quality things. And now they get a chance to be heard. Prime example, we had 
a football coach from Montana Tech, Bob Green, on last week. And he went viral because a lot of his isms that finally came to the surface. And he hadn't coached football for Montana Tech since 2010. We had him on our show. And so many people said, where has this guy been? Those are the kind of things that more than ever before that you find out about somebody, something like that. Don't just push it to the wayside or make it like a little two minute thing. You can really sink your teeth into it. And all of a sudden you broaden your show and you you widen your show and you make your show even better. Freddie, I thank you very much for joining the show. Uh, We really enjoyed the chat. Uh, Can you let our listeners and viewers know where um, they can find you on social media and also where they can catch um, your show, uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio? Yeah, you can always catch me on social media at Coleman ESPN. That is my Twitter handle. And I'll show us Monday through Friday, 9 p to 1 a.m. Eastern time. Freddie and Fitzsimmons on Sirius X and Channel 80, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. Awesome, Freddie. Thank you very much for taking time of your Wednesday to, to join me and talk some hoops. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Justin. You take care and be well, my friend.